RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Episode 19, Leslie Crusher Memo from D.C. Fontana, December 18th, 1986. This episode of The Trek Files is brought to you by Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships XL Editions, a special series of large format ships officially authorized by CBS Studios. Subscribe today and receive the USS Enterprise D for 20% off the regular price and with free shipping. For details and to order, visit st-starshipsxl.com. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. And welcome once again, Trek fans, and especially all you Trekophiles, spelled with an F. We have another incredible document from Gene Roddenberry's uh, files and papers this week. Um, it's actually to Gene from our friend Dorothy Fontana, who's been a past guest here on the show. And we're going to to shine an early spotlight on a, uh, a phenomenon that is, is well known to many of you during the early genesis of what became the next generation. Uh, it's the long, interesting saga of the character of uh, Wesley Crusher. Or was it Leslie Crusher? Or was it Wesley Crusher? <laughs> it uh, was an interesting evolution, and then as we all know, the character evolved uh, with some controversy, with some brouhaha over the life of the series, and then perhaps was maybe one of the most interesting wind-ups for a Trek character ever. But let's get into that, starting with this segment from a memo from Dorothy to Jean. Early in the show's development. I'm noticing a disturbing trend in story proposals. Aren't we thinking a little too much about this girl and not enough about our other people? I have a gut feeling that too many Leslie stories will drive our audience away because they will perceive it to be a kiddie show. It won't be, but a hint of that is all it takes. Perhaps I'm jumping the gun on this, but I hope the next few story proposals I see or hear are centered around the other series leads. Star Trek fans, you asked for bigger ships, and now you've got bigger ships. The official Star Trek Starships XL editions from Eagle Moss are twice as large as the standard models. Officially authorized by CBS Studios, each iconic ship is die-cast and hand-painted. And each comes with an in-depth magazine featuring production artwork, highlights of the ship's history, design, and a breakdown of the technology on board, along with crew and weapons. Start your collection today with the 10-inch XL Edition USS Voyager for only $59.95 with free shipping. New models ship every other month for the same low price with free shipping, and you may cancel your subscription at any time. For details and to order, visit st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Go big with the official Star Trek Starships XL Editions at st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. files. 
So, Wesley Crusher. Leslie Crusher. Wesley Crusher. Yes, which is it? How did it wind up? And uh, could, could, <laughs> could the saga of Wesley Crusher, and not only his relationship with those of his crewmates, but also of the fandom that viewed the show... <laughs> John Champion is back with us as my guest this week. John, you know, is co-host of the Mission Log podcast. Um, John, this was just a little gem of a memo from December 86. We're barely two months into the R&D of Next Generation when it's just Gene Roddenberry, Dorothy Fontana, David Gerald, yep. um, Bob Justman. Uh, Eddie Milkus. And Eddie Milkus. Yep. And uh, there's already, a, aside from the whole saga of what the character would exactly be, what gender... Mm-hmm. But uh, already a, a worry here on Dorothy's uh, part here that uh, some of the early pitches, they're, they're getting pitches from folks. They've already got eight or ten uh, things that are nearly in deal development. Yeah. And this is a trend she's seeing already. And think about it. As soon as information started leaking about the next generation, fans immediately started criticizing every bit of, oh, you've got a robot on the show? Come on, you've got a kid on the show? What is this, Lost in Space? You know, and and every everybody who was just absolutely sure that this was a disaster, this was the wrong direction for Star Trek. Those were two very easy things to pick apart, mm-hmm. right? You've got a French captain. You got a French captain. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Sacré cœur. Um, <laughs> so yeah, th- so they finally settled on who this character would be. That it would be Leslie Crusher, would be Wesley Crusher, and and uh, a lot of fans know that this is kind of uh, a stand-in for Gene himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was really behind this character to have a, a kid on board. There are other memos saying, well, how old is Wesley? Is he 16? Is he 18? Can we do more stories if he's 18 that we couldn't do if he was 16? Right. What, what can we, and what is his area of specialty? What, what are his special abilities? You know, there's so much wrapped around this character. And one of the big complaints, particularly of that first season, is come on. Is a kid going to save the ship every yep. week? Again? You've got this crew full of trained professionals, <laughs> and the kid saves the ship again? And here's Dorothy identifying it nearly a year before TV audiences are actually introduced to Wesley Crusher. Yeah. Now, now part of that about age impacts on uh, if you've got a minor as an actor, how mm-hmm. many hours you can be on set, and do you have to have a school uh, teacher there, which right. they did for, for, for Will Wheaton. Right. Off and on. Uh, we have some precious pictures of the onset uh, school teachers of will at times. But, yeah, the, the, the idea from 12, 14, 16, and, and what a lot of that, that controversy that blew up the first year. After the show started to air, and there was really a, a kind of a sad anti-Wesley movement. A sad, most of all, not so much in how the show was structured, how the character was written, but a lot of it fell back on poor Will, who had mm. nothing to do with it. He was a, he was a kid doing what the adult writers and producers told him to do. If people had an issue, I remember back in the day, if people had an issue, it's like, go talk to that merry-go-round of writers who, who, are, having a, who are having a big picture problem with settling the show down, you know, overall, much less within individual characters. Yeah. But the, the evolution of the Wesley, and I say Leslie slash, you know, Leslie, uh, Wesley, Leslie, what gender will it be, male or female? Crush your character. Yes, Gene began the character as showing that kids can be bright, kids can be smart. He thought it was a smart marketing idea. Mm-hmm. Now, he, it was a backhanded homage to him <laughs> as the misfit teenager, but he thought that would have some resonance with a lot of the audience. Yeah. The misfit teenager. But 
Bob Justman very early on started saying, hey, why, do, why does he have to be a guy? Why don't we have it be a girl? Now, that would be something to tell some stories about, hey, pre-Buffy era. Yeah. <laughs> how about yeah. some teenage girl stories and some you know, problems and how about some equality there? Well, and here's Dorothy identifying the problem, though, early on that audiences picked up on in that first couple of seasons where you need a way out, you leave it to the kid genius to figure a way out. And I, I think she's definitely on to something here. It's not that there's a problem inherently with the character. It's that you have writers who – and look, I get it. If you're a writer on a show and you're handed the show Bible, okay, here's the captain. I know what the captain does. I've seen Star Trek before. Here's the first officer. Here's the doctor. Yep, all, all of these fit with what I've seen. Oh, wait, there's a kid, and the kid has something special about him or her. The kid has abilities. So why not do something interesting with that? But you're not in a writer's room. You don't have a story idea being pitched in roundtable like you did in later seasons. You just have people who get this Bible and go, okay, well, we're, we're going to write some stuff. And she mentions in this memo the kinds of stories they've been getting. Right, the pitches. And, and here's, a little, here's a little timeline. Here. The first Bible had Wesley idea was generated as a, as a boy, but the first Bible, October 26, had Leslie, a girl. Then the next Bible, November 8th, we talked about this in my, uh, in my Next Generation Companion back mm-hmm. in the day. The next Bible, he was a boy, Wesley. Then the casting announcement that went out on December 10th, it was back to casting for a girl, Leslie, <laughs> which obviously uh, didn't hold up because they cast Will. Right. Then by February 4th, it was definitely back to a boy, Wesley. Her memo is December 18th. So within a week of the casting, they're still somewhere in that time period, they decided not to go with a boy. But not until this, this uh, memo eight days later where they're talking about a girl. And Well, I, no. I, I can tell you for a fact when casting yes. for Wesley was happening, <laughs> March of 1987. I, I can tell you for a fact. Well, how do you know, John? Well, you know. <laughs> for those of you not so inclined, uh, John, actually, you, you uh, auditioned by tape, right? I did. Yeah. No, no. Well, I, I, I went to New York. So I, I was with Paramount uh, casting there when Gulf and Western owned Paramount. The Gulf and Western building was in New York, so they did do casting out of that office. And then the, the memo came out of there. They put me on tape there for a callback. Uh, so I was, was with Paramount Casting there, and then they sent that out to Gene, and, and I saw the memo, you know, 30 years later. That it, <laughs> this guy who didn't get it, and then B.B. Uh, Newworth, who refused to relocate to play uh, Dr. Crusher. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and the other interesting wrinkle of this is, it, years later, we don't think about, you know, Will, the, the Wesley Crusher didn't last the entire seven years. He became – some people would argue that he was a much better guest star character than he'd been yeah. over the years of being a regular, was treated yeah. better by the writers in, in a more mature way. But the fact remains that Gene did intend Wesley to be an homage to all the bright – yet misunderstood teenagers out there. Yeah. If it was patterned on his experience, so much the better. If Wesley was named for his middle name, Eugene Wesley Roddenberry, <laughs> right, so right. much the better. But what's happening here when it's, in, when it's a, a girl, a young girl, is Dorothy's talking about not just that it's a teenager, maybe solving problems, but it's so much of a temptation for these writers, most of whom are male, to have, you know, why must I be a teenager in love, which is actually <laughs> the name of a pitch somewhere along the way, uh-huh. Bob Justman's pitch. Um, and she's talking here about Steve Boyette, who ultimately didn't wind up selling a story, but had pitched a political thriller, a day in the life story. Yeah. John D.F. Black, that she mentions here, wound up with another writer, became Justice, 
mm-hmm. which we all know is Wesley uh, playing, playing baseball in the wrong place. Yeah, wet Wesley-centric <laughs> story. Yeah, the Edo. Yeah, and uh, so it's you know not on the and maybe that was a factor in switching the gender back to. I don't know. Maybe too many of the pictures were coming in with with teenage, you know, romance stories. That could were be. Well, I mean, she says that Steve Boyette has proposed two stories, one of which directly concerns Leslie, and the other of which we are proposing could be a Leslie story. So, I, I, to me, it really just sounds like the writers see this this unique thing about this new Star Trek, and that's what they've latched onto. Right. Um, and uh, particularly with. Well, with both, I mean, with Steve Boyette, but but then John D.F. Black, who obviously wrote and story edited for Star Trek before, here he is now with this this new hook to hang his hat on. Oh, look, there's this new character I got to write for. But if you're a Dorothy Fontana and you see all of these coming in and you say, yeah, here's a trend that we Mm -hmm. cannot look at. We have all these other rich characters to explore we will turn off a portion of our audience if we go down this path. Very wise of her to see that. Right. And and just as a sidebar to this, what's interesting in that, that microcosm of those three, that October, November, December, January, the, the evolutionary stew of next generation when so much was being bandied about. And again, we're talking about uh, back boy to girl, boy to girl. Mm-hmm. What would Wesley Leslie wind up being? His mother, Beverly Crusher, was barely a glint in anyone's eye. I mean, they, there were two female characters. We had Macha Hernandez, mm-hmm. which would later be mm-hmm. Tasha Yar, and we had Deanna Troy. Uh, Wesley was there to be the child character, the, the smart, the whiz kid, part, as, as Gene had intended. His mother was just an afterthought. The whole backstory yeah. of Jack Crusher and Beverly Crusher and the latent attraction between Picard and Beverly and the fact that she was the chief medical officer... You watch the the early Bibles had no Beverly Crusher as a major character. Finally, someone thought uh, she's Wesley needs a mother, so we'll have her be oh be a doctor. And it wasn't until the February fourth, the final Bible, before they really started casting and and writing in earnest. Yeah, that Beverly Crusher got a full page as a major character. Originally, it was all about Wesley and. Uh, uh, the doctor was an afterside. All of that, it's, which is just astounding to me, that all of that backstory was was after the fact. It yeah. was all about Wesley up front, which is why the, the whole saga of what happened to the character of Wesley is uh, kind of amazing for when you look at the beginning of the, sure. the Roots thoughts. Well, it just sort of goes to show you that in TV production, as with many uh, large-scale projects like that, what looks good on paper... <laughs> may not necessarily be what works out in the end or what the best choices are. So at least they had many, many seasons and many episodes yeah. to perfect that formula. And, you know, Deanna Troy was almost a casualty yeah. of, uh, of that, that merry-go-round. Of, the, the writing situation was so unsettled, uh, Troy hung on. But I think maybe the greatest casualty of all was the way Wesley was treated there at the beginning. But it's interesting that uh, all the early pitches coming in like this, that Dorothy, again saw an issue here and uh, as we know it would not go away well if you'd like to check out that document and many many more please go over to facebook.com slash the trek files you can see a scan there download the pdf and uh, and listen along to the commentary from the trek files indeed and i believe this will not be the last time we raise the issue of young wesley crusher as we get into all the areas from gene's papers and archives The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. 
All featured documents are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek, that's me, and Portal 47 at larrynimacek.com. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.